0: Yeah, so happy Father's Day! Um, I know there are some dads uh, a part of this congregation that are huge fans of dad jokes. I myself have not quite found uh, the rhythm yet, uh, but give it time, I will practice. Um, anyways, so if you haven't already, uh, we have—sorry for the online people—but we have popcorn here from the Iowa Popcorn Company up in Merriam. Uh, one of the uh, the owners of the popcorn company uh, are up at our Cedar Rapids location. And so really so awesome uh, to put the idea of saying thanks, Pops, together with popcorn, and it's a dad joke all in one. I mean, it's really the trifecta. So uh, dads, you're welcome to grab, or father figures, if you're a father figure in someone's life, um, we'd love for you to grab some popcorn, or the uh, there's also um, candy that you can sprinkle in your popcorns, because some of you, you know, popcorn's not healthy enough, gotta throw candy in there, uh, but just... Thank you and happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, we are in week three of a series called Guardrails. Um, and kind of to recap here, uh, essentially, a guardrail, if you don't already know, um, hopefully you've never needed one, but a guardrail uh, on the road is something that is there to protect you when you knowingly or unknowingly are doing something or trending in a dangerous direction. When you put yourself at risk, when you do something wrong, it's there to prevent you from going into the danger zone right? So it's going to prevent you from going off the cliff. They don't put guardrails halfway down the cliff. Some of you do, but in in life, but in reality, we put the guardrails in the safety zone to keep you in the safety zone to minimize the damage to you and to others. So guardrails are a safety thing. Now, as we've been talking through the series and using this analogy, guardrails or the road is not the only place to use guardrails, Life is two, because you know what they say or you know what they sing. Life is a yes. Have you ever listened to the rest of those lyrics? Well, just go home and like, and I was actually, I was going to sing them to you. And then I'm like, I don't know what's implied here. And then I think about the number of times I've heard it in cars and thought it was a fantastic song. And then you, it's like, anyways, just go home and, and listen to it, okay? And then your, your kids or somebody's going to be like, why are you listening to that? And like, my pastor told me to. And I also said to read the Bible, you could do that too. Anyways, okay. <laughs> So, guardrails. So, guardrails are there to protect you um, even in life because life is a highway. It's a journey, and there are certain parts of life and seasons of life and decisions in life that can be dangerous. And so, you want guardrails into your life to protect you because, and think about this, your greatest regrets, my greatest regrets or mistakes, or if you're Christian, sins when you fall short of God's love or God's love for others or God's love for yourself, when you fall short of that, probably could have been prevented. Had you put up some moral guardrails, some relational guardrails, some ethical guardrails, some work guardrails, academic guardrails, relational guardrails, self-worth guardrails into your life. And also, if you are a parent here, since it is Father's Day, you're a parent here, um, some of your kids' regrets could have been prevented or still can be prevented if you help them to know some good guardrails. Not even know some good guardrails for their life, but know how to build and establish good guardrails. It's one thing you know, to teach someone uh, or give someone a fish, but it's another to teach them how to fish. And so you teach your kids, hey, if I'm going through life and I make a mistake or something, it may be, hey, I need to pay attention and put a guardrail in my life. And so as parents, we have that responsibility and we have that privilege of doing that for our kids. And you can probably think of some things in your life that, hey, if your parents and sat you down and explained certain aspects of life, even the more sensitive or complicated ones, that could have saved you some long-term regrets. Now, I'm not trying to say that to make anybody feel bad. I'm simply just saying that so we can become aware of the value of guardrails. Because guardrails, as we talked about in week one, and Devin was here talking about them last week, guardrails are physical barriers or, or some hard barrier that's going to prevent you from driving off the road to hurt Others, Or when you're going through life and life looks like this, so I showed this last week and I think Devin, or two weeks ago, and I think Devin showed it too. Oh wait, maybe it didn't show up. I actually don't think it copied over because I didn't see it in the pre. Anyways, it was a scary road, there wasn't a guardrail, and you're driving along, and when you're in situations like that, you want to have those. A very obvious example of a hard guardrail in life is um, in AA or Alcoholics Anonymous. They um, are well known. You don't even have to go through AA But if you've just watched enough movies or read anything about AA, they have a great guardrail that they help people establish in their life. And it's called a sponsor. And a sponsor has been where those people have been and been successful. And they are there to help direct and protect you in AA going forward. And that's a guardrail. It's a physical guardrail. It is a barrier and it's a great barrier and that's why it's so well known and so well associated with AA. And so those are the kind of guardrails in life that we need and it doesn't have to be alcohol related. It could be a lot of life related as we've talked about so far in this series. Now, I promised in week one, as we jump into today's message, I promised in week one that I would tell you my guardrail story. Now, this guardrail story is a real guardrail story. It's not a uh, life guardrail story. Well, it has happened in my life, but it's a physical guardrail story, all right, uh, the real, real life version. I grew up in Fort Dodge. If you didn't already know that, it's in Iowa. Um, and uh, winter here in Iowa, if you didn't already know, it's rough. And I was driving down a road I had driven down many, many, many times, but the hard thing about Iowa and Snow and ice is it changes all the time, and there is this road. And in fact, um, I didn't just want to explain it; I wanted to show you. So I got got on Google Street View and uh, recorded myself going down. And so I clicked through so you guys can see. Okay, and it's a road that goes downhill. There's three turns. Okay, it goes left, then right, then left, and then it goes on to an extraordinary long bridge in Fort Dodge and so it was winter and I was going down this and I cut out a couple of the curves just for the sake of time and not to make anybody dizzy if you're a little sensitive to that okay so so we're gonna go down the road with Taylor but pretend it's winter and snowy and terrible out okay so here's here's the how that looked maybe not okay it was very dramatic all right so yeah I got nothing um Okay, well, cool. All right, it's not gonna work. So I'm going down the road um, and I take the last turn and I'm in the left lane. It's a two-lane road, should have said that. You would have saw it, but here we are. So I'm turning the left, going onto the bridge and there's ice. And so I am going down at my normal pace for that, like normal conditions. And I start sliding into the right lane as I go onto the bridge Now, I am sufficiently on the bridge at this time, slowly. Oh, hey, let's go back. Okay, here we go. We're going down. See, I wasn't lying to you. Here it is. And I'm starting to turn, and I start going into the right lane, and my car eventually um, hits on the passenger side, that guardrail, right about there. And it was a thunk. Like, I hit hard with all that velocity, all right? And now, if you've ever hit a guardrail before, the, the most responsible thing to do would be to stop. What you end up doing is keep driving because you don't want anybody to know what just happened, right? You're embarrassed and if you get out, like that's just embarrassing and of course it could be dangerous too there because of the ice and stuff. So I just kept going. I got to my destination. I think I'm gonna get out and see a terrible side swipe down the entire side of the car. I was like thinking of the thousands of dollars that it was gonna cost. I'm gonna have to call my parents, all this stuff, it's gonna be terrible, I get out, I walk around the side of the car, and there is, my friends, zero damage to the car. Because what had happened was there was enough snow in between the guardrail and the car that when I hit it, it just went poof, like a little airbag, and I was completely safe. No damage whatsoever, whatsoever. And I didn't have to call anybody. I didn't have to admit that I had a problem until today. I mean, this is the first time anybody knew this had even happened in my life, Um, but uh, I was certainly glad that there was a guardrail right there because that's the top of the trees. So you can imagine how far I would have fallen had there not been a guardrail in my life. Now, here's the part that we're going to talk about for the rest of the day, all right? And it's this question right here, and understanding this question. How many of you in this room or online have ever needed or used that particular guardrail? I figured no one. Most of you didn't even know that guardrail even existed in my life. No one up until this point even know that guardrail helped me survive what could have been something very, very bad, whether it had been just minimal damage, right, where I would have had to pay to repaint the car, or catastrophic damage had I fallen off the side of the bridge. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this time, because this fact is true for all of us in here is that some of us have guardrails or need guardrails in certain parts of our lives, and others of us do not. We do not all need the same guardrails in the same places of our lives, in the same seasons of our lives. It is not consistent. And the problem is, especially if you grew up in the church or if you consider yourself a Christian, is there is this inaccuracy, and I understand where it comes from. We're going to talk about this. There's this inaccuracy in Christianity especially that assumes all guardrails are the same in Christianity. All the rules are the same. They apply universally to everyone in every case. And that is just not true. Because if you grew up in church like I grew up in church, you assume, because maybe you had to memorize it or learn it, that there is a complete list, primarily the commandments, primarily like the Ten Commandments. So you read the Ten Commandments, and you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, I'll try to follow it as best as I can, but here's the rules, right? And so you try to follow the rules, um, and you assume that that is the same for everybody, which in the case of the Ten Commandments, it kind of is, but not in all of Christianity. One thing may be detrimental and, in fact, sinful for someone else, but not for me. And the Ten Commandments... Are that contrasting example? So let me give you um, an example. So you got 10 commandments, and that's kind of a universal truth. And then you got some more personal and individual commands and responsibilities and guardrails that we need to have in our life. To do that, we're going to look at the book of Judges. Um, and the book of Judges is absolutely a treat. It's in the Old Testament, it is a complete and utter disaster. Like you read that book, and you're just like, wow, that is frightening disconcerting. Um, and it, it, I did a series on it a couple years ago in the middle of COVID. And uh, people this actually this past week said, hey, you should really bring that series back. It was great. And I don't think anybody was like watching at that point in COVID, which was kind of depressing, but kind of true. Um, but anyways, because we were online only. Anyway, so I did the uh, message um, and I thought it was fantastic. And uh, so maybe we'll bring it back. But it, in all the parts and judges, it always comes back to this idea that everyone did what was right In their own eyes. In other words, no one had guardrails because everybody and their brother were just doing whatever they wanted to do. There was no agreed upon guardrails or barriers in the life. Nobody celebrated having guardrails or barriers in their life. Okay? So in the book of Judges, that's the Old Testament, that's a pre Jesus came to earth. It's all about the Jewish people who were supposed to be set aside for God. God gave them things like the Ten Commandments. But they did not listen. They did not follow them. They were supposed to be holy. Instead, they did what was right in their own eyes. So long story short, they needed guardrails. They didn't have them. Now, in the book, there is the story, and some of you know the story, of Samson, and Samson was a super strong guy, great warrior. Was supposed to, he was a judge. He was supposed to lead the nation of Israel, all right? And so you can start the story if you want to go home and read the entire story. We don't have time to do it, but it's in Judges chapter 13 is where it starts and it spans a number of chapters, okay? Um, so uh, you had Samson. Now, fun fact about Samson, um, he was like a, a poster child for the book of Judges because he was a contradiction in terms. Samson is... Um, Uh, The only Hebrew character, the only Old Testament character that has a name that ends with S-O-N, which you and I don't think a lot about because we have tons of names in our English vocabulary that end or last names that end at that. Thompson or uh, Peterson or, you know, there's just Larson. There's tons of S-O-N. So it's not strange to us. But in Hebrew, it's weird. And the reason it's weird is because the son was involved. And it's weird because if you actually go to Israel and you go to the place uh, where um, Samson grew up and you go or look at some of the other, they're not actually in existence. All that's there is a mound. It's called a tel, T-E-L, not T-E-L-L, tel. Um, And it's where civilizations were built on top of each other. And they did that over thousands of years. And so it built up. Anyway, long story short. If you go there, you'll find that there, not too far from where Samson grew up was a temple that was dedicated to the sun. Okay. It wasn't a Jewish temple. It was a Canaanite temple or a Philistine temple. And so uh, it was more than likely that Samson was this combination between uh, God or Yahweh and the Jewish culture. And he was a combination of that with the, the pagan or Canaanite culture as well. And he was this combo deal. Which is not how the Hebrew people or the Jewish people were supposed to live. They were supposed to live with boundaries. They were not supposed to take names that were not honoring of God. And you have to do a lot of digging to to get there, but trust me when I say, and you can go and look at it. The only other name that ends in S O N is Jason, and he's in the New Testament because times have changed and he had Roman influence and things like that. But Samson is very unique because he is this epitome of no guardrails. He's supposed to but no guardrails in his life. Now, he was supposed to, he did have guardrails. He was supposed to obviously follow God's commands, but he had some specific ones for him, and those were the Nazarite vow, okay? And there were three primary things that he and his family, his mom, were supposed to adhere to in their daily life. Number one, he could not touch anything that was dead. Number two, he could not share, or shave, excuse me, the hair off of his head, And number three, he could not drink wine or any fermented beverage, which was at at that time wine. That's what he was supposed to do. Now, here's the question. Is that the same requirements of everyone else who lived in those days? No. This was specific to Samson. These were guardrails that God had asked Samson to abide by for him personally for his life, or in a Nazarite um, situation, it was for a period of time. Now in, in Samson's, it was supposed to be his entire life, but in other people who took a Nazarite vow, it was for a period or season of life. Now, these commands at origin were all about cleanliness and God-honoring, right? And, and Samson was supposed to follow them. But the reality is, as some of you know how the story goes, he meets a lady. It's not always the lady's fault, it's Samson's too. But he met a lady named Delilah. I could sing that for you too. Delilah, on the radio if you're a radio person. Anyways, late night radio, Delilah. Anyway, and she was a Philistine, okay? So again, Samson's mixing. He's not supposed to. He's supposed to stay within his boundaries or his guardrails. And ultimately, she is more faithful to her culture, to the Philistine culture, than she is Samson, and so she tries to uh, trick Samson into telling her the source of his strength. Now, the source source of his strength um, was always God's spirit, but Samson, to make sure he had God's spirit, was to stay true to his very honestly simple um, commitment to God. But Delilah was also very committed. To getting Samson figured out and um, you know taking his strength and getting him arrested and effectively put to death. All right, and so one night Delilah's you know pleading with him for the like umpteenth time, third time, fourth time, and you're like, Samson, how could you be so dumb to give in to the woman who's trying to like obviously hurt you for three times in a row? Which I would say again. There's plenty of men out there who would do, um, you know, do the same thing, let's be honest, okay? Sorry, it's Father's Day and I'm beating up on the men. That wasn't nice. Okay, anyways, so um, Samson uh, gave in to Delilah's pleading, okay? And uh, Samson lost his strength. Here's how it went um, if we look at the book of Judges. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength Left him, And the rest of the story is honestly just sad and disappointing and pitiful. And a lot of focus is given, especially if you read the child's Bible to the ending, where he like, takes down the pillars and, and you know, wipes out a bunch of Philistines, but he wipes out himself uh, in the process. And so sometimes we feel like kind of vindicated about that. But the whole thing should have never happened in the first place. Now, to recap, if you all in here touch a dead body, are you committing a sin? No, it's not a trick question. It's a no. Okay. If you all go get a haircut, which I hope on occasion you do, is that a sin? No. And, and I appreciate that you cut your hair, right? Right? Um, if you do these behaviors, they are not sinful. Now, here's the next question. Not a trick question, but hear me out. Now, for some of you, would having a drink... Be sinful. Some of you it might. Yeah. Others of you? No. If you had a drink, does that inherently mean you are missing the mark with God, you are unloving yourself, and you are effectively sinning against God and others? Not necessarily. Do you need guardrails around drinking? Some of us definitely need guardrails around drinking. Some of us don't. Now, should we? Yeah, we probably should. Could it become sinful? Absolutely, because the issue is what it leads to. And that's always the problem with sin, right? It kind of leads to one thing after another after another, right? It leads to drunkenness, which leads to decisions, behaviors, and self-harm that hurts you, or you become a stumbling block for others. And that's a problem, right? And sometimes when it becomes a problem, then it's best to put up guardrails, whether you feel like you need them or not. And this happens throughout God's story, right? Has anyone ever in here had a problem worshiping the sun? Maybe with your tan lines, yes, but overall, no, right? However, there was a problem in Samson's day, right? Why? Because it was a season thing. In those days, when you had people worshiping the sun, that was a contrast. That was a difficult thing for other people, Jewish people, to resist. And they did not establish good guardrails. Today, is it going to look different? Absolutely. There may be some sun involved, but yeah, it may be more of an aesthetic thing, for example. And so you can understand how different seasons, different commands may apply differently to other people. Has there anyone in here ever been in sin because they didn't go to Nineveh? You're like, well, I don't even know where that is. How would I go there? Fantastic, right? No, but was Jonah in sin because he didn't go to Nineveh? Yeah, he wasn't loving the people in Nineveh. He wasn't loving himself and he wasn't loving God. Okay, Taylor, I get it, right? I'm getting what you're getting at. Some some things apply to other people, but not to me and vice versa, okay? So how, Taylor, in the midst of this, do we figure out if I need a guardrail in an area of my life? Fantastic question. You guys are so smart. Always ask great questions, okay? I'm going to give you kind of two-ish responses, all right? The first one really applies to everyone. Whether you're Christian or not Christian, you're tuning in, you're trying to figure out faith, it applies to everyone, okay? And I tried to make it catchy, so hopefully you'd remember it. It's my best attempt, okay? Here's number one. If you fight it or if you hide it, you need to guardrail around it. If you fight it or you hide it, it needs a guardrail, I will give you a personal example, okay? Um, one, as I was thinking through my own life of um, areas in which uh, may be an issue for me, but not for others, um, that I may need a guardrail around uh, is generosity, okay? Because I tend to, I don't tend to hide it, but I tend to fight it. Because um, I have a, my, one of my greatest fears is failure. Um, and so associated with that, or failure would, failure, or worldly failure would usually um, be closely followed by running out of money. Yeah, like socially, if I was broke, that would be seen as a worldly failure. Okay, and so I associate the two. And so therefore, to give money without anything in return or any, um, you know, physical value or anything is difficult. Trusting God in that area or being faithful in that area is difficult. Now, are there people at Infused Church that are amazing at generosity? absolutely. They floor me sometimes. People have given, um, you know, from the pastoral perspective, I know what's going on in people's life. And they have been extraordinarily generous in the in moments where I sit there and I'm like, uh, you know, hey, we're doing this fundraiser, we're doing this thing. And I, I would normally talk to them because they're so generous. But I was like, I know how much terrible stuff is going on in your life right now. So I'm not even going to bring it up. And then even though I don't even bring it up, they are still generous. And it just, it floors me that that is such a um, gift and a strength for them because it's not for me. It's not for me. Um, and so personally, I have to, as a guardrail, make sure we are giving, saving, and then living, right? We've talked about that 10, 10, 80, right? You give 10, you save 10, you, you live on the rest, something like that. Um, so, and you live like that as a guardrail. And so, um, recently we gave uh, to Go Serve Global, which we normally give to and be rich and to the orphanage down in Haiti and uh, Lakai, Haiti is Bethel Orphanage. They ran out of funding during COVID uh, because uh, a church pulled, like a church that was entirely funding them pulled out and, and infused church and uh, an organization up in, and an individual up in Minnesota, they chipped into. And, and so we've been trying to do the best that we can for them uh, in the midst of this. And so uh, we, um, gave to them recently because, you know, we're trying to live that out. But it is hard for me to do that. Um, and I'm not saying this was the entire motivator, but uh, in Lakai, they just, you Google it, they just had an earthquake again, a 6.2 on the Richter scale earthquake. And for me, I look at myself and I'm like, Taylor, it shouldn't take an earthquake to be generous, right? It should just be generous. That's how you kind of know that you're fighting it. You know, if it takes an earthquake to do it, then you might be fighting it. Some of you, that could be helpful for you, all right? So, but what do I do? And what do you do? I'm guessing it's similar for you too. You tell yourself, oh yeah, you know, I'll get to that, or I know I have to be generous, or I gotta give to the church, or I gotta give to this, or whatever it is, okay? And then you get busy, or you get, you know, another bill and another bill, and, um, you know, it's just like, gosh, it feels like I have so much going out, I don't know how I can you know, give more uh, or you don't really have a good sense of your income or expenses. And so it's like, can I even give? I don't know. And so just to be safe, what do you do? You say, I'm going to wait just in case. And what I'm saying is I have to put that guardrail in my life to make sure, nope, I give first, save second, live on the rest. And so by God's prompting, God's spirit, this is how it has worked now, um, as of late, is I just have this deep sense in my heart, God's Spirit's prompting me, that's like, hey, look, Taylor, look at all the things that I've done for you. Or another way to look at it is, hey, Taylor, you thank me for, this is God talking, by the way, you thank me for all these things in, in your prayers, and I do, like 80% of the prayers that I do with our girls at night um, are, are things of appreciation and gratitude you thank me for all this. Do you think it might be possible to respond by giving up one of the most valuable worldly things you have, which is money, and have that response? To which the answer is, yes, Lord, it would. But I fight it. What is it for you? What is that thing that you fight or hide? It might be multiple things. But for the sake of simplicity, you can think of all the things later and make a list. But for the sake of simplicity, what do you fight or hide now? In fact, actually making a list wouldn't be a bad idea. I just was talking to someone and they had some great spiritual breakthrough. And he said, I just made a list. And when you sit down and you look at the list of all the things you're fighting and you're hiding, it kind of hits you and it's a little bit of gut punch. But it helps you seek a new life, a new direction. So what is it you fight or you hide what is the thing that when you're driving along, it's easy for you to drift off center, start pushing the guardrail, or not even install a guardrail because you don't want to have to fight the guardrail, you just want to be able to drive where you want to drive. What is that thing that pushes your personal standard of behavior that makes sure you stay in line? What is that thing? that helps you to behave how you want other people to see you. That thing, you know, that, that you have the way you want the world to perceive you and then you have the way you live. What is the thing that's going to help you to actually live the way you want the world to see you living? Yet you struggle inside to do it. That's one way to figure it out. The follower of Jesus' way, the Christian way to figure it out... Um, whether you're a Christian now, or you're wanting to become one, or you're exploring what that means, this is really good for you to ponder. And and that is to seek God's personal guardrails. That's your personal guardrails. God's guardrails for you personally. Now, yes, you can read the heart of God. You can read what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is merciful. It's forgiving. It's, it exhibits self-control. All of those things. Those are universal truths, but... For you, there may be some nuances. There may be some asterisks. When it says slow to anger, that may mean a bit more to you than it means to someone else. What would it look like to seek God's guardrails for you? A way to do that is open up that B-I-B-L-E and just read the gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read the accounts of Jesus' life and what he taught and write it down. And you can sense as you read it, I know you can because you're smart people, oh, I think I fight this. Oh, I think I hide when it comes to this. God's spirit can also guide you and God's church can also guide you and define for us where the lines are. And he, God, can make those ways known for you uh, in your life if you seek them out. Seek how, um, seek how God defines love. That's another great way. Just try to d- write out a definition of what God's love is, and research it, and seek it out, and read about it, and outline. If you ever have done this, it's kind of an interesting exercise, is define God's love. And it's probably going to be a little bit more robust and dynamic than the world's version of love, excuse me, and write it down, because that, that just alone is a powerful guardrail for our lives, Okay but it'll help you. It'll help you when you start getting off course, you start running towards the edge or you get into a season because it's always easy to kind of skate by when everything's good, but it'll really come in handy when you're navigating a challenging season and you need to know, hey, in the midst of my frustration and my exhaustion and the difficulty that I'm experiencing in life, I have these guardrails. My family has these, we all agree as a family, these are our guardrails. These are the values in which we live by And operate by, and we're not gonna compromise it just because the going gets tough. And God loves to be there to help you to do that. And as you identify those guardrails, the last thing you need to do, this is kind of the ish part of it, okay? You also need to realize we are not uniform. We're not uniform when it comes to the guardrails in our lives. As Christians, we are not uniform. And this is because, a very simple reason, this is because Christianity is relational. It isn't legal. Say that again. Christianity is relational. It isn't legal. There are legalities intertwined into it. There are covenants intertwined into it, but the heart behind it is love and relationship. And you do not expect the same things from all of your children the same, do you? A lot of it, maybe 90% of it, you expect the same from all of your kids. But I know with our three girls, some of them need different guardrails than others because of how God has created them. And it is my responsibility and Stephanie's responsibility as a parent's to be able to do that and to be able to craft that. And God wants to do that for you too because God knows the hurts that you're hiding. God knows the hurts that you're fighting. And he wants to help you to navigate through that in a healthy and safe way. And you're going to do that through guardrails. And so you got to learn that. You gotta understand that there's a relationship there. You can do the first one and identify, if you're not a Christian, the fights and the hide. But it's really hard then to find a solution, I think, to that without talking about God's love. Many areas we have the same, but there are also many areas in which we are different. The last thing I wanna say about this right here, we're not uniform, okay? Is just an observation, okay? and this is, I'm specifically talking to the Christians here, okay? And that is that sometimes Christians, I know this is gonna come to a shock, a shock to you, sometimes Christians, um, we push our guardrails on others. You ever notice that? Push our guardrails on others. To which you say, oh, no, not Christians, Taylor. Yeah, I know, Christians would do such a thing. Even though Paul said very clearly, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? And the answer being, the implied answer is, it's none of your business. It's none of your business to judge those outside the church because they operate off a different set of guardrails. But if you're inside the church, there are a fairly uniform code of guardrails plus some additional ones that may be specific to you. So you can either judge those outside the church or you can go at it a different way and you can help people to seek out new guardrails. You can help people to learn how to establish new guardrails. You can be someone else's sponsor. It's this crazy word called friendship. You can be a friend. In Greek, there's a word, uh, a word for love, that is love of friendship, or uh, loving as though you are a friend. And that is a way that you can be there for someone, or vice versa. Asking a friend to help you to be a guardrail could be a powerful next step towards moving forward. And that's why God has the church, to be there, to be accountable, and to help you to do that. And many guardrails, also keep in mind since it's Father's Day, many guardrails our kids learn, our kids learn from us. They learn from you, if you're a model in any kid's life. But know Those kids may not struggle with the same things that you struggled with. And there is a fine line, I'm going to say this twice, there's a fine line between a guardrail, parents, that is a prison and a guardrail that is providing protection. And parents, without the love of God, I do not know how you manage this perfectly Because short of the love of God, I would fear that I would have a hard time not making some of the guardrails I expect from our kids to be a bit more like a prison than to be that which is providing some degree of protection for them, right? Because what do guardrails do? They direct and they protect. And so one of the things that we have a responsibility to do, I think, as a church and as parents, a church is when we work with one another in our small groups, et cetera, but also as parents, is to wisely... In God's love find the difference between helping others establish guardrails that are a prison versus protection. And I think in a lot of those situations as Christian, we need to be much more careful that we are not just trying to pluck out the sliver in someone else's eye when we in fact have a giant plank in our own, because that's the risk we run, right? And so just be careful because it's always easier to judge other people's guardrails or lack of guardrails, but be careful that we're looking at our own first and we're thinking through God's love of how are my expectations or my guardrails going to impact the next generation or impact those around me that I love. But universally true for all of us, I just guarantee you God is trying, God is telling you there needs to be personal guardrails in all of our lives and they may not look all the same. But because God loves us and values us entirely, he wants to make it personal and helpful. So a couple of just basic action points. On top of defining guardrails and all that kind of stuff, if you need help, one, I would really recommend determining and coming up with your own version after research and prayer and, and digging in, um, especially to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and maybe even Romans, but defining um, what God's love is and building guardrails in your life that reflect God's love. Number two, a great way is we would love to just pray with you because sometimes just talking to God and asking for his presence, his spirit in our life can really help us to take a step that we desperately need forward. And so after service, um, I know Caitlin's gonna be in the back, Devin's gonna be up here, I'm gonna be in the back too. We would love to help and pray with you. It doesn't have to be an awkward thing, doesn't have to be a weird thing. It just needs to be a helpful and loving thing. And the other thing is, the third thing is just, why would you not surrender to a personal and relational God who wants to guard you and protect you, not imprison you, which I think is a lot of perception. I know that was my perception of Christianity for a long time. He's not trying to imprison you. He's trying to guide you as a good father, the good father that he is. All right. If you would, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, guardrails are tough. Um, It is difficult to be honest sometimes about the areas in our lives in which we are fighting, the areas in our lives that we are hiding. But Lord, we've been there and we've done it many, many times where we've said, I'm gonna do it different next time or I'm gonna put this guardrail in my life next time or I guarantee I'll do it differently. And then we fall short again and again and again. But then the problem is we, we, Lord, we start to look at other people and we say, well, they don't have that guardrail in their life. They don't need that guardrail. And so if I need a guardrail that's different than my neighbor, that's gonna make me look weak. That's gonna be embarrassing. It's gonna be embarrassing that I went too fast down that hill and hit the side of my car. And I don't wanna admit that. But in not a green or surrendering to the truth of our challenges, of our sin and of our shortcomings, we cannot find redemption. We cannot be redeemed. We cannot, what redemption means is to find a new path forward. So Lord, help us to be honest. Help us to be honest with ourselves that sometimes we may need guardrails that other people don't and other people may need guardrails that we don't and that that's okay that doesn't make us less valuable, that doesn't mean we should be ashamed, that doesn't mean we need to live in embarrassment. It just means we need to be honest. That just means that we need to get to know your love better because your love overcomes those differences. Your love wants to provide a solution to those differences. And so Lord, today I pray and I invite everyone in this room to pray because we all need guardrails in our lives, Christian or not, whether we're willing to admit it or not, we need those. And so I wanna invite everybody in here to pray, Lord, help me to be honest. Lord, I am guilty of blank. I am guilty of not trusting you in this area. I am guilty of fighting you in this area. I'm guilty of hiding in this area. Lord, fill my heart with your love. So I know that even in my challenge, I do not need to be defeated. That you, Lord, are God of victories and breakthrough and overcoming even death. And oftentimes our regrets are a byproduct something has died, that there is some death, because that, are the, that is the consequence of sin. But that in you, we can find new life, and in you, we can find freedom. In you, we can find a new direction in a path that doesn't involve what is dragging us down the cliffside, but involves putting guardrails in, in the safety zone. Not to imprison us, but to help us to leave, live free of falling down the cliff. Because it hurts and it's exhausting to climb back up from that cliff every time. And it hurts our hearts to do that. So Lord, guide us, help us to surrender to your love as a freedom, as a new beginning, as a new choice, wherever we are to find the new life you have promised for us. Lord, give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to do that. In your name I pray. Amen.